Hello and thank you for listening. I am so excited to say that I now have a Patreon that you can go to. I'll make sure I include the information in the show notes. But I have multiple tiers you can choose from. $1, $3, and $5 tiers. The $1 Spooky Soul tier gives you access to an online Discord community that is filled with fellow spooky souls. If you want to talk about creepy, cozy things, you might be interested in that. The $2 Cryptid Creature tier lets you have that online community, as well as giving you early access to episodes, bonus content, and secret bonus content. And the $5 Kachu Cuddler tier, named after my fluffy, squish-faced kitty, lets you have that online community, early access to episodes, and the bonus material, but it also lets you suggest future episodes and I'll shout out your name during each episode. Thank you so much for your listenership and support, and I can't wait to talk to you more soon. Hello, and welcome to Creepy Core and Folklore, the show about creatures, encounters, old tales, and myths. I'm your host, Iona Wayland a dark fantasy author, mental health professional, and overall curious person. I want to join other spooky souls and hear about these unusual stories. Hello, spooky soul. This is a very special episode because of the number, but I'm actually going to do an opposite reverse psychology thing on myself. It's the 75th episode, which is wild to me. Most podcasts don't get past episode seven. Most podcasts don't make it a year. And I'm at, I don't know what this is. Um, a year and I can't do math. A year and a little bit. A year and like a couple months. Four months? I'll go with that. We're going to go with that. But it's just really cool. It's been really neat being able to talk with you about all these cool things. And I I know I keep saying this, but I keep fighting myself to not do the deep dive so that I can do self-care and have like podcast slash work slash mom slash downtime author life balance. Um, and so instead of doing a super long deep dive, I'm going to challenge myself to make this a shorter episode. So bear with me. We'll see how I do today. So originally, and this will happen at some point, I was going to make this whole episode about uh, fairies and fae folk and all those things. And then as I did research, I realized that a lot of the fae folk I'd already talked about in different episodes. So whenever I do get to that point where I deep dive into the fae, um, I think I'll just reference the other episodes where that pops up. But instead of doing fairy stuff today... Um, We're going to talk about near-death experiences and something called the third man phenomenon, which I found very interesting. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it is, give you some very brief examples, and then talk about why this may be happening. So this is something that is very anecdotal. This is not like a universally known thing. However, there are people all across the world who have had these firsthand accounts from this mysterious presence during moments of extreme stress or trauma. So there are several vague examples and then a few notable ones. So let me start with the vague ones. It's these will happen in like this extreme natural 
environments like mountains, oceans, um, but also can show up in acute times of trauma like car wrecks and near-death experiences and all these different things. But most of them, and I know I alluded to this phenomenon in my Iditarod race episode, um, but for instance, here are some of the vague ones. There was an accident on the A1. So in an account shared on the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, NDERF or ENDERF, uh, if you wanted to check that out, a person described a car accident on the A1 motorway. And after a collision, the individual reported feeling the presence of an unseen figure who guided them out of the vehicle and provided comfort until help arrived. And if you decide to check out these firsthand accounts, it goes into some people can see these um, presences, some people can only hear them. It's very fascinating. A near-death experiencer recounted a car accident where they were thrown from the vehicle during the incident, and they reported encountering a benevolent figure who provided guidance and reassurance. This figure stayed with them until emergency medical help arrived, so that you're starting to see the trend here, where they have this support, they're talked through it, and then as soon as they get help from their natural world, then this entity disappears. In a story shared on a paranormal forum, an individual described a rollover accident. After the car came to a stop, they reported the presence of an unseen companion who helped them remain calm and make decisions until rescuers arrived. A person involved in a car crash during a snowstorm. You'll see a lot of these snowstorm ones too if you decide to deep dive this on your own. This person reported feeling the presence of an unseen figure who guided them through the snowy darkness until they reached safety. A lot of this like walking with them and then when they look back, there's only one set of footprints type of situation. So here are some more notable ones that are like recorded historically um, with, uh, I mean, there's still firsthand accounts, but um, these were ones that were more heavily uh, recorded and reported on. So Ernest Shackleton's Antarctic Expedition was ill-fated. This is during 1914 to 1917. And the crew faced these extreme conditions after their ship, the Endurance, which is always ironic how, I mean, good Lord, that became trapped in ice. So Shackleton later reported that during his desperate trek to find help, he often felt the presence of an extra person walking alongside him and his two companions. So he had human companions that were living there, but another extra person there too. This unseen companion provided guidance and support through the whole time. And I know I keep saying guidance and support, but that's my short version of saying like they gave them specific directions, like don't take that way, wait here, don't stop moving, you have to keep going, things like that. That's what the guidance and um, support meant or like, oh, up ahead, you'll see a um, like there's someone there, there's a house up ahead, it's very close by. And it's like kind of information. Some of the things is information that maybe they should have thought of, but they were in too much of fight or flight freeze brain to respond correcting, to respond accordingly. Um, And some of them were information that like just wouldn't have been known by the person, most likely. Dougal Robertson's survival at sea is another notable one. In 1972, Dougal Robertson and his family survived a shipwreck in the Pacific Ocean. And after spending 38 days adrift in a light lifeboat, I mean, talk about my worst fear here. Holy shit. Robertson reported the presence of an extra person on the boat, someone who offered encouragement and assistance. He later wrote about this experience in his book, Survive the Savage Seas. John Geiger on Mount Everest um, 
felt like he had a third man experience during his ascent of Mount Everest, and he struggled with exhaustion and lack of oxygen. And Geiger reported reported the sensation of a presence behind him. And this encounter inspired his book, quote, The Third Man Factor, Surviving the Impossible, end quote, where he explores similar experiences in extreme environments. Sir Ranulf Fiennes' uh, solo expedition um, describes the renowned explorer Sir Ranulf Fiennes during a solo and unsupported expedition of the North Pole in 2000. And he reported the presence of a mysterious figure during a particularly perilous moment. And the unseen companion provided guidance and encouragement, guidance and encouragement per usual, helping Fiennes navigate the treacherous conditions. Alfred Wainwright, which is a British fell walker, reported a third man experience during a solo climb in the English Lake District, and he was facing exhaustion and disorientation, and Wainwright felt the presence of a comforting figure who guided him safely down the mountain, and he documented this experience in his book, A Penin Journey. And Penin is spelled P-E-N-N-I-N-E. I'm sure it is like a place that I should know how to say, but I'm fighting saying the word Panini, so it's a Penin Journey or Panin Journey. I don't know. John Horsfall had a plane crash. He was a survivor of a plane crash in the Alps, which is really crazy because uh, I remember flying over the Himalayan mountains in, and I remember the the peaks being above the clouds and almost touching like, not actually, but it, it seemed like they were almost touching the um, plane as we flew overhead. Oh my God, I said Himalayas. I meant to say Andes. I don't even know why I said the Himalayan mount- mountains. Oh, they're in India. Good gravy. Um, they passed through India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, China, Bhutan, and Nepal. That's why. Okay, sorry. I one point want to visit the Himalaya Mountains, but that's why that was in my brain. Okay, I I did know where that was. Good gravy. I, I have no idea why I said <laughs> the Andes, <laughs> the Andy Mountain, gorgeous, gorgeous mountain range. Also, I didn't know what a fell walker was. Um, and so this is someone who walks on hills and high land, especially in Northwest England. Um, and it specifically says, if you look up what a fell walker is, do not attempt this walk in poor weather unless you're an experienced fell walker able to use a compass. I know this is me just not understanding the etymology of things, but fell walker sounds like you're already destined to fall, but I digress. Um, but the fell walker described Alfred Wainwright, not um, John Horsefalls. But John Horsefall, after the plane crash in the Alps, uh, talked about that presence of an unseen companion. And he it helped him endure the harsh conditions until rescue arrived. So in these moments of extreme stress and trauma, and I know it, I kind of only talked about Um, Now that I'm looking at it, like men's experiences with it, but there's been lots of men's experiences um, and women's experiences and non-binary experiences and all of the genders. And so it would be really cool. Also, all the ages, too. Like it didn't seem to have any kind of transcended age, race, um, gender, all that stuff with all these different experiences. And I myself have had two near-death experiences that I'm not getting into today and maybe in the future I might, but they're very, very personal and really like scary because obviously they're like a traumatic event for that to happen. But it did make me wonder of like spiritually, like I personally think that there is an individual, whether it's a ancestor or 
um, an entity that suffered the same fate that wants to help you or um, just, you know, I don't know, something like that, uh, where there's like a benevolent entity that's trying to help you survive. I think that's very beautiful. And I think that especially when someone, you know, spiritually speaking is close to death, maybe they have access to more of those spirits that, you know, walk the earth or connected to this earth or that person in some way. However, in a psychological perspective, there are a couple theories. Some say that it's a stress-induced hallucination um, and uh, there are these extreme conditions that trigger the brain to conjure a supportive presence and this hallucination serves as a coping mechanism during times of crisis. Um, That is in the Handbook of Near-Death Experiences, 30 Years of Investigation, edited by Janice Holden, Bruce Grayson, and Debbie James. Um, And then some think it's a survival mechanism and that way it's like an evolutionary survival mechanism where the brain conjures a supportive figure to enhance individuals chances of survival in perilous situation. And also some people think that it's a dissociative episode and coping ability. So all of these say like, like it's all for survival, but um, dissociation real quick is a defense mechanism that um, helps people kind of make sense of something that it doesn't make sense. That's very, very traumatic. That can be, cutting off uh, messing with time that can be cutting off the memory that can be memory fragmentation. There's many, many ways that dissociation can show up and people can experience it. And it's very helpful and brilliant of the brain to do that. So I even though I hate when people go through a dissociative episode or experience, I also applaud their brain for being able to do that and dissociate from reality when needed. Um, But some people think that it the brain makes the person dissociate from reality. And then on top of that, create a comforting presence to endure that trauma. So they're not going through it alone. Um, A religious and spiritual interpretation more so than what I was talking about, because I kind of believe that it's related to that person. But some people think that the third man is a spiritual figure such as an angel, a deity or a deceased loved one, which is the deceased loved one is kind of getting closer to what I think is happening. Um, And this reflects the cultural and religious background of the person experiencing the phenomena. And then there's also some cross cultural consistency, which is what I was kind of alluding to earlier, where despite all these cultural differences, the core elements of the third man phenomenon are remarkably consistent, Um, whether they're Western or Eastern or Northern Southern, it doesn't matter. It's like during these traumatic events, despite um, age, race, class, ability, gender, it's like the entity shows up. Some people can hear it. Some people can see and hear it. And it provides comfort and support and sometimes advisement during these horrible moments. So I think that's just like beautiful way to think about how it's something we can't don't totally understand, but it's happened enough. And, and things like that are a little creepy, but also comforting for me because I'm able to see like, hey, there's more out there. You know, there's more out there than what I understand and acknowledges like what I can fully comprehend. And maybe what's out there is helping us get through how crazy the world can be and how traumatic these moments can be in our lives. So that's very, that's helpful for me to think about. And I hope it's helpful for you to think about, or maybe I freaked you out or both. That's the nature of creepy corn folklore, I guess. 
But thank you for listening to this very special, super short episode of Creepy Corn Folklore. And I will speak with you next week. Thanks to all you spooky souls out there for listening to Creepy Core and Folklore. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok if you're looking for more uncanny content. If you have your own tales to tell, you can email creepycoreandfolklore at gmail.com. If you liked this, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts or tell a friend who might enjoy these stories to spread the word. If you're interested in dark fantasy, check out my Hollowverse series. Ashes is available now in paperback and ebook on Amazon and audiobook on Audible, and the sequel is underway. I'm Iona Wayland, and I'll see you next time.